A reading from the book of the prophet Ezekiel. Thus says the Lord God, I myself will look after and tend my sheep. As a shepherd tends his flock when he finds himself among his scattered sheep, so will I tend my sheep. I will rescue them from every place where they were scattered when it was cloudy and dark. I myself will pasture my sheep. I myself will give them rest, says the Lord God. The lost I will seek out. The strayed I will bring back. The injured I will bind up. The sick I will heal. But the sleek and the strong I will destroy, shepherding them rightly. As for you, my sheep, says the Lord God, I will judge between one sheep and another, between rams and goats. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. shepherd there is nothing I shall want the Lord is my shepherd I shall not want in verdant pastures he gives me repose the Lord is my shepherd there is nothing I shall want beside restful waters he leads me he refreshes my soul. He guides me in right paths for his name's sake. The Lord is my shepherd. There is nothing I shall want. You spread the table before me in the sight of my foes. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. The Lord is my shepherd, there is nothing I shall want. Only goodness and kindness follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord for years to come. The Lord is my shepherd, there is nothing I shall want. A reading from the first letter of St. Paul to the Corinthians. Brothers and sisters, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through man, the resurrection of the dead came also through man. For just as in Adam all die, so too in Christ shall all be brought to life, but each one in proper order, Christ the firstfruits, then at his coming those who belong to Christ, then comes the end, when he hands over the kingdom to his God and Father, when he has destroyed every sovereignty and every authority and power. 
for he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. When everything is subjected to him, then the son himself will also be subjected to the one who subjected everything to him, so that God may be all in all. The word of the Lord. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the kingdom of our father David that is to come. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. Alleluia. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus said to his disciples, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit upon his glorious throne and all the nations will be assembled before him and he will separate them one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will place the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. A stranger, and you welcomed me. Naked, and you clothed me. Ill, and you cared for me in prison, and you visited me. Then the righteous will answer him and say, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you, a stranger, and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? When did we see you ill or in prison and visit you? And the king will say to them in reply, Amen, I say to you, whatever you did for one of the least brothers of mine, you did for me. Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you accursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink, a stranger, and you gave me no welcome, 
naked, and you gave me no clothing, ill and in prison, and you did not care for me? Then they will answer and say, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty, or a stranger or naked, or ill or in prison, and not minister to your needs? He will answer them, Amen, I say to you, what you did not do for one of these least ones, you did not do for me. And these will go off to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. The Gospel of the Lord. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the kingdom of our father David that is to come. The solemnity of Jesus, our Lord Jesus Christ, King of the universe, or as I mentioned in the announcements, more commonly referred to as Christ the King, was established in 1925 during the pontificate of Pope Pius XI. And it was the desire of the Holy Father, it was the desire of the Church to basically address the situation in society, in the world at that time, politically and everything else that was happening. Because of the leadership in the world at the time, there was so much lack of true representation and leadership for the common good that was being exercised. And so it was the hope then, and it continues to be the hope of the church now, to encourage and stimulate within the hearts of believers not only the lordship, the sovereignty of the Lord Jesus in our hearts and minds, but also to see his sovereignty, his kingship over the entire world, over history, past, present, and future. And so to bring this message home to us, on this, the last Sunday of the liturgical year, and by the way, congratulations to one and all. We have, God has granted us the grace to once again go with the Lord Jesus from the time of his conception to his birth in the fullness of time in history and to move with him as he developed and came into his own, as he would inaugurate the kingdom, as he would enter the synagogue of Nazareth, opening the scroll of the prophet Isaiah, reading deliberately from that section that proclaimed a year of jubilee, a favor from the Lord, in which we could say was the Magna Carta, it laid out the exact reality of what he came to do, to set captives free, to restore sight to the blind, to re the release of the captive, to, re to, to proclaim the good news to the poor without reservation, without partiality. We have come to the conclusion of our Lord's journey, and we look now to enter another cycle of this representation of gospel in a world gone wrong in sin. And we have the imagery of a shepherd 
who is also a king. A shepherd who tends to his flock, who tends to his sheep with gentleness, with compassion, in such a way that there's no question that this shepherd has the sheep's best interest at heart. But it also reveals to us that this shepherd is not to be uh, taken lightly. He's not to be underestimated. He's not going to run when the wolves come. He's going to meet them head on, and to the extent that he is going to realize his kingship, it will not be through politics. It will not be through military tactic, but it will be with grace, mercy, love. The ultimate expression of love will be the laying down of his life. And so the gospel that we're presented with is clearly the second coming of Christ in glory. He is on the throne. The host of angels are with him. All of the nations are gathered. He has separated them as a shepherd separating sheep from goat. Sheep on right, goat on the left. And as he speaks to the multitude, as he presents us with this parable, what do we discover that both the sheep and the goat have in common? Do you notice that when the king addresses the sheep and the goat, both the sheep and the goat respond to the king with the title Lord? They both recognize him and acknowledge him as Lord. But it should come to our mind and our hearts that as we hear how the king discloses the standard by which those who have been under his charge and who have been called to participate in his reign, we discover what sets one apart from the other. Albeit they say, Lord, Lord, not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but only those who do the will of my Father in heaven. And so we're presented with the standards by which one not merits, not by, not, we're presented with the manner by which, not by which one merits the kingdom, but by which one inherits the kingdom of heaven. And he lays out for us the corporal works of mercy. When I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. When I was naked, you clothed me. When I was thirsty, you gave me to drink. When I was ill, you comforted me. When I was in prison, you visited me. When, Lord, they were both perplexed. They were like, when, they were misunderstanding. They, they lacked understanding. When did we do these things and not see you or do it and see you and do it for you? Whenever you did it to the least of my brethren, you did it for me. Now this should bring to our mind the ninth chapter of the Acts of the Apostles. Jesus, who is the king, the royal shepherd, remember the encounter that Saul, who became Paul on the road to Damascus, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, sir? I am Jesus, the one whom you are persecuting. 
So it's interesting to note that Jesus says the least. Whenever you did it to the least, or whenever you failed to do it to the least, you failed to do it for me, or you did it to me. Where does this come from? Is this a judgment scene of the Gentile world that came to believe in Christ as a result of the missionaries sent out into the world? Or does it, does it also include us amongst the Gentiles, everyone? Because this is the general judgment that's being presented to us. The final time, everything is consummated at this point. Well, I would like to present us with the idea that it's both and. It's both the Gentile world that has come to believe and those who in coming to believe or have recognized or heard the kingdom and seen the kingdom in action and accepted it, and then those who have rejected and treated the kingdom and its membership as rubbish. How do we gain insight? Remember the two disciples, according to the Gospel of St. Luke, were sent, the two disciples of John the Baptist were sent to Jesus to ask the question. John was in the dungeon of Herod's palace awaiting execution, and they were sent with the question, John the Baptist sends us to you with this question, are you the one who is to, that we were to expect or should we look for someone else? Go and tell John what you have seen and heard. The blind recover their sight. Lepers are cleansed. The lame walk. The mute speak. The deaf hear. The poor have the good news preached to them. Dead men are raised to life. And so, as they were going, Jesus gave testimony to John the Baptist. When you went out into the wilderness, what did you go and expect to see? Someone luxuriously dressed? Oh, for such people, they live in palaces and so forth. A reed swaying in the wind? A prophet? Yes, John was a prophet, but much more than that. I solemnly assure you, of those born of women, there is none born of woman greater than John the Baptist. But the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. And so we hear Jesus explicitly stating in this parable, whatever you did to the least of my brethren, you did it to me. Whatever you fail to do. So there, it is a both and dynamic because this parable also says all of the nations will be gathered and there will be a reconciliation. There will be justice meted out to those who embraced and, and accepted and lived in accordance with the mandate of the kingdom and embraced the, man, the, the, the graces that flow from those who choose the easy yoke of the meek and gentle of heart, Savior of the world. And then there will be those who just totally show disdain and disregard, outright rejected it. They will be dealt with accordingly. And the operative term to bear in mind at the conclusion of the parable is that it says, to those, and these will go off to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. In other words, the reward that we will be gifted with will either be in eternity of damnation 
of absolute separation from God or in eternity of the blessedness that Jesus assures us is ours so long as we choose to be with him. So this feast day, this solemnity, affords us an opportunity to examine our minds, our hearts. To what extent have we been willingly participating in the gathering of the kingdom as Jesus himself modeled for us? He so, so well showed us his propensity, his desire for those on the margins to the point where he was criticized for it. This man eats with sinners and tax collectors. Look at him. And yet, here we are. This is the way. This is the disposition of the attitude of our king. This is the disposition. This is the heart of our king. And we are called to embrace this. And so if we have been involved in this, if we've been helping in this, in this mode of operation, then we want to thank God and we want to continue to pray for God to give us the grace to persevere in this work which, as we know, the poor we will always have with us, as Judas was reminded, as he made a big deal about how the expensive aromatic nard was wasted, so folks supposedly wasted on the feet of Jesus, and he was being anointed. And Jesus said to him, you will always have the poor, but you will not always have me as you have me now. And what this woman has done will be proclaimed until the end of time, as long as this gospel is preached. So, beloved, let us embrace this moment. Let us re reflect upon the year gone by. To what extent have we had a, developed a greater disposition for Jesus in the distressing disguise of the poor? And not those who are just materially poor, who lack material things, but they are those who lack the poverty of companionship. They don't have companionship. They don't have someone with, with which to share their, heart, their thoughts their hopes, their dreams. Nobody wants to listen to them. These are ways in which we can restore the dignity of the human person that Jesus has embraced by taking upon himself a human nature. I always take solace in the fact that whenever we hear a judgment scene from any of the Gospels, the fact that we still are here, that we are listening to it on this side of God's kingdom, we still have time to work things out, to get our minds right with the Lord and our hearts. For once the heart is properly disposed, then the actions, the movement of charity can prevail. Perhaps the beautiful words of St. Mother Teresa of Calcutta can give us it in a nutshell. You take the five digits of your hand and you simply look at each five digit of the digits and you say, you did it to me. You did it to me, huh? You did it to me or you did it for me. That's how she would summarize the entire gospel by that basic word. When we do it or fail to do it, we fail to do it or we do it to the Lord. Because we don't know 
who is in potential, who of the goats is in the process of becoming the sheep before the end. Just like the parable of the weeds and the wheat. No, let them grow together. We will deal with it at the harvest. This is the ways of divine providence. This is the ways of divine mercy and love. So let us take heart if we know that we're already in a habit of, of gathering with the Lord, but not become complacent in saying, oh, well, I already have identified those with whom I'm supposed to be thinking about and caring for. Mm -mm. We must not fail to continue to engage the world without partiality because God's ways are not our ways. His mysterious power is always at work. He wants everyone to come to salvation through his son. So when we examine our hearts and our minds in the light of the gospel, and we receive him anew in the Eucharist today, confident that he will strengthen us for every good work in season and out of season for his glory and the salvation of souls. God love you.